Well, good morning. This series has been, I've found it really, really uh, engaging and exciting. I mean, of course, I'm a Bible nerd, but I, if you've been following this series, you know it's been some really interesting interaction as we've looked at the book of Acts and, and seen how the, the early church began, but specifically how uh, we are caught up in the exact same movement that began all the way back then. Um, what I love is, is as we've seen the Holy Spirit uh, dwelling in followers of Jesus and and leading to them being able to transform the world around them. It's a reminder that we have the Holy Spirit within us and where we go, the world can be transformed. It's so cool. Uh, So far in the story, we've seen this church movement come alive. We've seen the Holy Spirit do incredible things, including transforming the life of a uh, young, uh, angry, passionate, zealous Pharisee named Saul, who was approving of the murder of of Stephen, but ultimately became a follower of Christ and became who we think of now as the Apostle Paul. And uh, it's it's been really interesting watching that narrative journey and, and seeing how his life was completely transformed. The second half of the book of Acts, it kind of actually switches from following Peter and the other apostles to following Paul as he travels around the Roman Empire at the time and plants churches. Uh, Usually these are called the missionary journeys of Paul, and there are tons of little stories of him interacting in this city or that city or something that happened on the road or on the sea. Uh, Today, what we're going to do is we're going to zoom in on one of those moments, one of those cities, and and I think because it kind of kind of encapsulates his overall experiences really, really well, I think you'll, what you'll see is that this gives us a great glimpse into the missionary journeys of Paul. Not only is it going to show us what his journeys were like and how resilient the gospel is, but it will show us how Paul listened to the voice of the Holy Spirit to, to guide him in wherever he went. And of course, as you can guess, we're going to talk about how we too can listen to the guidance and the voice of the Holy Spirit as we do the ministry that God has called us to do. Okay? So go ahead and turn with me to Acts chapter 16, starting in verse 6. It's going to be page 920 in the House Bibles. Uh, If you're at home, I don't know what page it's going to be for you. You're going to have to look it up. Acts 16, starting in verse 6. We are going to pick up pretty much in the middle of what's called uh, the second missionary journey of Paul. Um, So he's been traveling around what's today Western Turkey. It wasn't called Turkey back then. It It was a whole bunch of different Roman provinces. And this is what happened. Verse 6, he's with his traveling companion Silas. Next, Paul and Silas traveled throughout the area of Phrygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. Then, coming to the borders of Mysia, they headed north for the province of Bithynia, but again, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. So instead, they went on through Mysia to the seaport of Troas. That night, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. Okay, we'll we'll stop there for just a second. Here, this passage may seem a little odd to start with um, because it doesn't, it's just a bunch of random travel details, but... I think it gives us a glimpse into a really important aspect of Paul's missionary journeys. It was the fact that, that 
Paul and Silas did not have some grand master plan to, to, you know, their itinerary was not set in stone, but instead they listened to what the Holy Spirit was saying. Let the Holy Spirit guide them where they were going to go. For example, look at at verse 6 and 7. The Spirit, it says, prevents Paul from going to the province of Asia, prevents him from going to Bithynia. Now, we don't know what this means. I really wish that Luke, the author of Acts, I wish he had elaborated here. We don't know. It, how did the Spirit prevent them? Was it, was it some kind of opposition that they faced? Was it a, a bad feeling, something they couldn't shake? Was it, was it a prophecy that someone shared with them? I mean, I don't know. What, did their donkey keep tripping over rocks every time they started trying to head in one direction and it just wasn't possible? We don't know. We don't know. What we do know, though, is that In both of those cases, the Spirit closed the door to where they thought they were going, and he pointed them in a different direction. Now, what's interesting here is that God's Spirit calls Paul and Silas to go to Macedonia across the Aegean Sea, uh, calls them to go over there through a vision. Now, the Spirit does communicate through visions sometimes, but notice what it says in verse 10. It says, we concluded that God was calling us to preach in Macedonia. In other words, this was a communal decision, right? We, this was something that they, they, they decided together. Paul did not just take a leap in the dark because of a dream he had, okay? He and his companions, they, they spent time in prayer. They used spiritual discernment like my dad talked about in the message last week. Uh, they, then they decided that, that God was indeed calling them to go. Um, so this is not the whole point of this message, but I wanted you to notice this. File this away. File this away. God's Spirit may speak to us in a ton of different ways. A word, a vision, a tripping donkey. I don't know. Spirit speaks to us in a lot of ways. But we hear His voice most clearly when we discern it in community. We hear His voice most clearly when we discern it in community. I'm telling you, there are far too many of us using the phrases, the phrase, God told me, whatever, We say it way too often without ever having our community of of believers to help discern whether or not that's actually what God is saying. I'm just encouraging us, let's do that a little bit more. If we're going to say that God told us something, let's listen through the the Spirit-empowered gifts of our believer friends and family. Okay. All right. Oh, and one other real small detail. You may have noticed this. You see how it says we now instead of they? Just for this really small part of the book of Acts— Most scholars believe that this is because Luke, the author himself, was actually on this part of the journey. He must have met Paul and and gone along with him. So Luke was an eyewitness to what happened in the city of Philippi. So, okay, they arrive at the, the Roman colony of Philippi after crossing the Aegean Sea. This is the first time that they've brought the gospel to Macedonia, and then this is what happens. Verse 13, on the Sabbath... We, with Luke there, we went a little way outside the city to a riverbank where we thought people would be meeting for prayer, and we sat down to speak with some women who had gathered there. One of them was Lydia from Theatria, a merchant of expensive purple cloth who worshipped God. That means that she was a Gentile who was worshipping the Jewish God. That's what that meant. As she listened to us, the Lord opened her heart, and she accepted what Paul was saying. She and her household were baptized, and she asked us to be her guests. If you agree that I am a true believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my home. And she urged us until we all agreed. Now, I love that idea of her urging them and and continuing to keep at it. If you've been to um, several other cultures that have a lot more of sort of a, a communal feel, 
there are times when people will just not take no for an answer. You're gonna have their hospitality whether you want it or not. And Lydia, she puts her foot down and she says, you're staying at my house. And so that's where they went. Now, I wish that I could have been a fly in the wa- on the wall in Lydia's household at that time because um, what we see is that, is that, A, this is the very first church that's planted on the European continent, which is crazy. That's cool. But at least the one, first one that we have a record of, it's possible that there were others. But uh, what's even more cool is that it's clear Paul had a really special relationship with this church in Philippi. He was really close to them. I want to know what they talked about. How did they spend their time? Why did his friendship with them blossom so quickly? Um, years later, uh, in, in a letter that he wrote to the church in Philippi, Paul said this. He said, it is right that I should feel as I do about you, for you have a special place in my heart. He never said that in any of his other letters. This is something special, something specific about the church in Philippi. All that to say, the Spirit had led Paul to Philippi, and now he was surrounded by people who would go on to become some of his dearest friends in life. That's what happens as this message of Jesus begins to grow. Now, Unfortunately, in the story, things don't stay rosy forever. In fact, they kind of go downhill pretty quickly because uh, as he's continuing to teach in Philippi, Paul uh, comes across this slave girl who is, is uh, I guess, oppressed or, or possessed by a spirit that allows her to tell the future. And he, he casts that spirit out of her. And unfortunately, well, it's fortunate for her, she was free, but for her masters, for her owners, that meant that they were going to lose a ton of their money. She was their income source, and so they weren't happy about that at all. They go to the city officials and, and get a whole bunch of people really upset, and they drag Paul and Silas before the officials. Here's what they say. Uh, here's what happens in verse 22. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure that they didn't escape, so the jailer put them in the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. By the way, stocks, not necessarily just holes for your feet. It's possible that this was some kind of torture device that forced you to keep your legs like really wide or something like that, so this isn't great at all. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed that the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, stop, don't kill yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights and he ran into the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and he said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his household. Even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. He brought them into his house and he set a meal before them and he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. 
Now, I love this plot twist in the story. I love it. I love that things go this way because that same jailer who put Paul and Silas in chains, who strapped them into this, this device or whatever, suddenly he's bathing their wounds, he's, which obviously means that he didn't bathe their wounds. No one did when they were first thrown in jail. He's bathing their wounds. The man who, who once obeyed the city officials without question, he's now surrendering his life to Jesus submitting his life to him, being baptized, it's incredible. Just like with Paul's own story, which we talked about several weeks ago, this man was once standing in the way of God's messengers, but now, now he's joining them in the mission. And again, imagine this, this experience in this church in Philippi, gathering at Lydia's house. Imagine, I assume the jailer and his family showed up one day and he walks in and he's like, hey everyone, I'm, I'm Keith, I'm the jailer or something. I don't know what his name would be. But like, imagine like the church is growing and now it includes these, these, this Gentile woman, these Jewish women from the river and, and the jailer and possibly the slave girl, we don't know, but it's, it's happening The church in Philippi is growing. Not even beatings and jail can prevent Paul's gospel message from from transforming lives and taking root. That's what happens when you walk in step with the Spirit. Now, we won't read the rest of the story, but put simply, the the next morning, the city officials, uh, they, they find out that Paul and Silas are actually Roman citizens, and so they're totally embarrassed, and they're not really allowed to do what they did to them, and so they come in, and they ask him, please, would you just leave the city, and it's a whole scene, it's a whole big deal. Uh, ultimately, Paul and Silas, they go back to Lydia's house for one final goodbye, one final uh, incur- time of encouragement, and then they leave. The Holy Spirit takes them on the next leg of their journey. So that's Paul's experience in Philippi. Now, I know we just flew through that story. There's a ton more details I could have gotten into, but, but, and of course, there's dozens more stories like this on his missionary journeys that we could be talking about, but, but here's what I want to do, because uh, what we just looked at was a little glimpse into some pretty significant truths about how the, the message of Jesus spreads and, and how the church operates in this world. Uh, First of all, it it tells us something important about the gospel, um, the good news of Jesus. It tells us that that the gospel is going to triumph. The gospel will win the day. Uh, You look at the story in Philippi. The gospel triumphed in a Jewish meeting place down by the river. It triumphed in the Gentile city. It overcame uh, natural and supernatural powers. It, it, It triumphs in a place of complete Roman power. And it brings both men and women into the family of God. It's unstoppable. But it's not the only thing this story teaches us. It also shows us that there's some key things we have to pay attention to when it comes to being led by the Spirit of God to bring that unstoppable gospel message. If you think about how Paul and, and uh, Silas were led by the Spirit, here's what you see in the story. Paul, again and again and again, he consistently sets aside his own agenda and goes wherever the Spirit sends him. Macedonia, sure, will cross the Aegean. Philippi, sure. Jail, sure. He responds in in faithfulness, whatever his circumstances. And that, I believe that, that response is what led to the good news of Jesus taking root in Philippi. In other words, Paul, he jumped in wherever the Spirit was moving. He didn't ask the Spirit to bless or jump in wherever he was moving. You see what I'm saying? He, he jumped in where the Spirit was moving. He did not ask God or the Spirit to bless what he wanted to do. 
This is important for us to understand. We've got to grasp this because we, as, as Grace Church, as individual Christ followers, we have that same spirit within us. The same spirit that was guiding Paul is guiding us. If we want to heal this world in Jesus' name, if we want the gospel to take root here in our city, in our town, well, then we'd better learn how to listen to the Spirit's voice, just like Paul did. We've got work to do. So to that end, as we talk about jumping in where the Spirit is moving, I've got three reminders that come from this story that I think are important for us to pay attention to, to hold on to. Um, Three reminders about jumping in where the Spirit is is moving. And my encouragement for you is this week that you would begin to try to put some of these into practice. Uh, If you do that, if we do that as a community, I believe that we may be able to experience some of the same awe and wonder that these early Christ followers were experiencing. And I hope and pray that in the process, we are going to be knit together just as deeply as Paul was with this church in Philippi. I think it's going to happen. So, Reminder number one, it's a pretty simple one, an obvious one, but it's important. Pay attention, because the Spirit is speaking. Pay attention. Now, this is one of the most important things that that we can learn as Christ followers, especially today, because today, 2021, we live in a world of constant distraction, don't we? There's there's constantly stuff trying to get our attention, to to take our focus off of uh, one thing and on to the next. There's tons of people trying to get us to spend money and look at things and watch. It's all the time. But Scripture makes it clear. It, It makes it clear that if we intend to follow Jesus, this isn't an episodic thing. You don't just dip your toes into your faith in Christ every now and then, once in a while. No, no, it's a whole life surrender. It's a whole life surrender. It is a lifetime of being shaped by our creator to to make us daily into who he's calling us to be. It's not episodic. It's a whole life surrender. Paul understood this. He understood this. In a letter that he wrote to the church in Galatia, he said this. He said, since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Every part, every, uh, that's our jobs, our families, our free time, our relationships, our plans. God's Spirit is speaking to transform all of it. The question is, are we actually paying attention to what he's saying? I mean, think about Paul's journey to, to Philippi. Again, I'm sure he had plans, probably had ideas about what he was going to do. They planned to go to the province of Asia. They planned to go to Bithynia. But again, verses 6 and 7, the Spirit closed the door to that plan, and, made, and, and uh, Paul paid attention to that. He didn't try to force it. He didn't, he didn't keep whipping the donkey to keep going. No, they, they decided to go the where the Spirit was, was leading them. He paid attention to this vision of the man from Macedonia, And again, with his team, with his community discerning together, they determined, yeah, the Spirit is calling us to cross the Aegean Sea. And so they got on a boat. They paid attention. When they got to Philippi, Paul, he followed the Spirit's leading to go down to that riverside. He he, uh, followed the Spirit's leading to tell Lydia about Jesus. He listened to God's Spirit about freeing that slave girl, and he even stayed put in jail when when his shackles fell off. Right? The earthquake, he could have walked right out, but he didn't. He stayed put because the Spirit was speaking and he was paying attention. In each of these moments, Paul was, was uh, living out the same attitude that Jesus had. 
on the day that he was crucified. What he said in his heart was, it's not my will, it's your will that I want to be done. Not what I want, what you want. God, I know you're speaking, and so I want to go where you send me. That was Paul's attitude in Philippi. Is it yours? Is it mine? Are we paying attention? Are you you listening to the Spirit's voice consistently? Are you asking God who he wants you to be, where, where he wants you to go? Or are the majority or the bulk or all of your prayers just asking God to give you what you want? Because that's so easy for us to slide into, isn't it? That, that's an easy habit for us to form. But if God's spirit is speaking, we've got to ask ourselves, are we willing to jump in wherever he's moving and not just asking him to bless where we are? I'm telling you, if we want this world to change, we've got to jump in with the Holy Spirit. If we do, things are going to blow our minds. But we're only going to be able to do that if we're paying attention to his voice. He's always speaking. Are we listening? Okay, so that's reminder number one. Pay attention. Number two, it's this. Buckle up. Buckle up because the Spirit does not always work the way that we expect. Part of what it means to jump in where the Spirit is moving is that he can sometimes take us to some pretty unexpected places. Again, think about Paul and Philippi. Sharing the gospel with Lydia, that one makes sense to me, right? Because, okay, she's wealthy, she's influential. That's a, that's a great place to start. Good idea, God. About, how about being trapped in a dungeon and chained to the wall and put in a torture device? Okay, God, maybe not so much. I don't know what you're doing here. Now, we know the whole story. We know, of course, that by being put in prison, it leads to the, the salvation of the jailer's whole household, right? We get that. But think about Paul's mentality in that moment as he's being shackled to the wall. He didn't know what was going to come next. He didn't know what was, what was about to happen. It would have been so easy for Paul and Silas to assume that God's plan for Philippi must have gone wildly off course. Something terrible must have happened. But Paul didn't put up a fight. He, he literally, he was a Roman citizen and he did not cry about his rights as a citizen. He didn't do anything. He willingly let them take him to jail. He could have, but he didn't. He also didn't despair. He didn't despair. Look at verse, verse 25. It says, Paul and Silas were calmly singing hymns and praying as they're, as they're chained to the wall. That's not something that, that a desperate person will do. No, they trusted that God knew what he was doing. They trusted that, that, that the Spirit was going to work in ways they couldn't imagine. They buckled up. They were ready. And guess what? That's exactly what happened. God did the unexpected. But they were ready for it. They were ready for the unexpected. Are you? Are you ready for the unexpected? Are you ready for, for God to do things that you can't quite imagine? Because look, if you're paying attention to the Spirit, if you're jumping in where He's moving, You better buckle up because the outcome of that may not always look immediately like success. It might not. It might not look like victory or winning right away. That's not what it means to follow the Holy Spirit. Do you trust God enough to take you in a direction that feels like failure at first, that looks to the world around you like you have failed? Do you trust him enough to take you there? Because look, at the end of the day, if you're walking in step with the Spirit, 
and your life is surrendered to Jesus and and to, to his plans for you, God is going to do things through you for his kingdom that will blow your mind. He's going to use you to transform this world, but you may not see the whole picture right away. Are you buckled up? Are you ready? Because the Spirit can take you to some unexpected places. So pay attention. Buckle up. And finally, take comfort. Take comfort. The Spirit is always moving. Now, as I mentioned before, uh, the church in Philippi had a really special place in Paul's heart, obviously. As, As he wrote the letter to the Philippians, you can tell. I imagine it was really hard for Paul to leave these, these new friends behind. Verse 40 tells us that they didn't, they didn't just leave town after the whole jail incident. I mean, he would have been, you know, I could imagine being outraged and frustrated and indignant and saying, I'm out of here. I'm shaking the dust off my feet and I'm gone. But he didn't. He went back to Lydia's house and they had one final farewell, one final goodbye. In my imagination, it was because Paul could... could barely uh, bear the thought of leaving these new friends behind. I, I can imagine how this felt because when I was uh, first traveling to Ukraine and spending time with our partner mission to Ukraine, my first visit there back in 2009, I was only there for like two and a half weeks. But man, I, I felt some kind of mystical connection with my new friends there. It was, it was amazing. It was powerful. I was there for two and a half weeks and we were all weeping when I was saying goodbye. I don't know how that, it's never happened to me anywhere else, but something happened there and I can imagine Imagine that that's what happened with Paul. It would have been so easy. Try to put yourself in his, in his mind. For the days after this, for Paul to despair at the loss of his friends or, or to, to doubt, to wonder, uh, should they have done things differently so that he could have stayed? I mean, these were brand new believers. Did, did Paul do enough to establish the church there? Were they going to be okay? What if they needed him? You can imagine him walking down the road, walking to southern Greece, thinking about all these things day after day. But Paul kept going. He kept going because the Spirit was calling him forward, and he trusted in the fact that the Spirit is always moving. The Spirit is always on the move. The church in Philippi was in God's hands, not in Paul's. He trusted in that fact. He took comfort in it. Many years later, many, many years later, in fact, he did get to go back to Philippi one other time, but then years after that, he wrote them this letter, and he said this. He said, whenever I pray, I make my requests for all of you with joy, for you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. You could just imagine him talking in his head to to Lydia, to Keith, (laughs) to all the different people. You can imagine it. And I am certain, he says, I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. I am certain, I'm certain that God will continue his work. We can take comfort in the fact that the Spirit is always moving. And so here's what I mean by that. I know that some of you, undoubtedly, you are, are struggling right now with things that are just out of your hands. Maybe it's a child who's, who's drifting from the faith or just making really terrible decisions. You, you see it and it feels like it's out of your hands. Or maybe, maybe it's a parent who's getting sucked into just wild conspiracy theories online right now and you feel like it's out of your hands. Maybe it's a friend who's just caught again and again in these self-destructive spirals of one kind or another. You feel that weight. You feel that, that, that uh, doubt, that, that worry What's going to happen to them? What if I needed to do more? Am I going to be able to do this? If that's what you're feeling, 
If you're feeling despair at all about that situation, you don't know what to do, I want to remind you that you can take comfort. Take comfort that the Spirit is always working, even in things that are out of your hands. The Spirit is always working. You can be certain, as Paul was, that God will continue his work, no matter what your circumstances may be. Pay attention to the Spirit. He's always speaking. Buckle up. May take you to some unexpected places, but ultimately take comfort that the Spirit is on the move. All we have to do is jump in to join Him. Let's pray. Well, Father, first of all, I'm grateful that you would be so willing to to send your spirit, to be so actively involved with us, to walk with us, to guide us, to close the door when we need the door closed. But Father, I will be the first to admit it can be difficult for us to, to consistently listen to your voice, to consistently go where you are leading us, especially when it looks like jail and dungeons and shackles to the wall. Those are the, the moments that we are afraid that we don't want to take a leap. But Father, I ask that you would shape in us a trust and a, and a faith that you are moving and that where you are taking us is exactly the right place for us to go. And for anyone here, anyone listening to my voice who feels, feels like a situation is out of their hands and they're despairing and they're worried, would you give them comfort? And would you remind them that you can be certainly uh, faithful to the things that you are doing? Would you give them comfort today? And would you give us all the courage to jump in where you are moving, Father? We pray all of this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for watching, but don't stop there. We want you to find community at Grace Church. And the first step in doing that is going to gracechurch.us slash hub. There you'll find other sermons, details about upcoming events, and other important announcements. And make sure you subscribe to our channel so you don't miss out when we post something new. Thanks again for watching. We'll see you next time.